All right, we've been walking through this book of Ruth. I hope you've enjoyed it. Today is the final day of Ruth. Um, and, and as we've gone through it, uh, we've, we've really focused on the characters at play within this story. Uh, there's been Naomi. Matter of fact, as you read through the story, you begin to think, well, hey, this should have been called Naomi's story. Because as you read through it, it begins with Naomi and her family and the tragedies that befell them. And then at the end of it, it ends with Naomi in a celebration, which we're going to get to today. Uh, Naomi, Naomi is the one in chapter one that, that basically said, because of all the difficulties she went through, she said uh, to her two daughters-in-law, all of them widows now, said that the, the Lord's hand is against me trying to convince them you need to go home. I mean, that's the tragedy. It was because of, because of the uh, famine that they went through, went to Moab, husband died, her, her sons married two Moabite ladies, both sons died. So that, that was the tragedy. You, you, you'd imagine that, that uh, Ruth was someone who had no hope. She was, she was a lady in despair. And so... But amidst that, in, in that chapter one, I, I began to consider well, you, what was so positive about Ruth. In the midst of all that, I believe she remained being faithful. She sought the good for both the Moabite ladies by praying, you know, may, may the kindness that, that you've shown me, may the Lord give you that kindness. And, and may, may you find rest in the house of, a, uh, of another husband. So those, those were some prayers she, she did on behalf of her, her two daughters-in-law before she went to Bethlehem. Ruth. It was really Ruth who kind of changed the story for Naomi. And, and, and I do understand why the book is called Ruth. is because of the amazing commitment that Ruth made to Naomi. Do you remember that? It was chapter 1. Uh, it just, it's always worth reading. Uh, there she said, uh, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. As, uh, man, till death do us part. It, it really does sound like a, a, a covenant commitment. Just like uh, between um, a husband and his wife that they made. She made that kind of a commitment. She was not obligated in any way. It was all because she loved Naomi and wanted to be there for her and care for her the rest of her life. And, and not only was it spoken with words, but throughout Ruth, we see her, with, within the story of, uh, of Ruth, we see her fulfilling that. She leaves her people, she leaves her God, and she goes to Israel, to her a foreign land, to live and to care for Naomi. And she just can continue to follow through in all that story. Uh, of course, Boaz is a part of that story. He, he stepped up and began to, to meet the needs of this lady who came to glean in his field and, and then made sure that she had ample supply and the, the gleaning went well. Couldn't have been easier for her because he kept on, you know, hey, set some before her and he, he made it possible. And, and so the, what we see, especially in Boaz, is this generous, generous kindness that came from him. Uh, such generosity. He was a man of God who, who was God-honoring. Matter of fact, a couple of issues, what we talked about last week, that or things that he did was a reflection of God's word. 
the idea of letting someone come and glean in his field. That was, that was part of God's provision. So was this idea of being a kinsman redeemer. You see, in God's law, he provided for his people. And in such tragedies like Naomi, God provided a means of preserving her family, her, the land, because she lost, as she said, you know, Mara, I, don't call me pleasant because I'm, I, no, don't, don't call me pleasant, which would be Naomi. Instead, call me Mara, which is, which is bitter, because, you know, here, she told the ladies from Bethlehem, she came into Bethlehem saying, I, I, I left full and I'm coming back empty. That's, that's a lady in despair who, who just doesn't see anything, any hope in this, in this life. Um, one, one thing that we want to glean overall, if you read through this, I encourage you to do again. One lesson I think is so evident within each of the chapters of this uh, book of Ruth, and that's, that's this, that God uses faithful, ordinary people to do uh, to do great things. God uses the faithfulness of ordinary people to do great things. Is that true? Well, it's, it's not just the book of Ruth. We see that just about everywhere. But I think that's one of the, the messages that's so prominent in this book of Ruth. Uh, this morning, I'm going to read that the last, the last uh, scene. We'll call it the scene because the narrator is in here. But the last scene in this book of Ruth is chapter 4, beginning verse 13 through 17. Here, here it is. Here's, here's Naomi is a part of this. And, and she find, she, she's the final scene of this whole story. Let's, let's read it. Verse 13 says, So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The woman, uh, the women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, for this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse and the father of David. The last character I want to, uh, that we ought to look at today is, is Obed. Obed. And, and now, Obed didn't do anything really significant. Well, we don't see any kind of conversations from Obed or any marvelous actions. What did Obed do? He was born. <laughs> Obed, Obed was born. But, but when we look back at the story with a widow who was in despair because her family was lost and everything that Elimelech, her husband, had had and owned was gone. It was gone. She was a woman that was hopeless, and, and I, I believe she thought that all that, that is in life for her was just to, just to die and, and to die with no one. And, and so uh, Obed is a significant figure in, in, uh, in this story. Matter of fact, here's something I read earlier on in, in preparation for this. Struck me, and you can get it out of your brain kind of thing. Uh, are, are you fam familiar with the typologies that's in the Old Testament? Typology is a foreshadowing of what is coming. 
One of those examples would be that the lamb that was slain on behalf of those, you know, of Israel, when the death angel came, there was a, a lamb that was slain and painted the doorpost. Jesus is referred to as that lamb, that perfect lamb. That's a typology. Hebrews has a lot of typology. Now, Obed is never mentioned as being a type of Jesus, but there are some things that will definitely remind us of Jesus, and that's where I wanted to go this morning. I wanted you to see some of the the, the things that, that would remind us of Christ, his coming, his character. Uh, just just within his birth story. First of all, if we look at this, Obed's, uh, Obed had a miraculous birth just like Jesus. There, were, there was a similarity in that God was involved in, in the birth. Now for Obed, it was much like, you remember Sarah, Abraham and Sarah? Uh, it was said that Sarah's womb was closed. She was barren. And, and even up until her old age, but then God opened her womb to where she was able to bear Isaac. Another story like that is Rachel. Rachel, the same way. She was unable to conceive. And then, then God acted, opened her womb, and, allowed, or, 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 and she was able to bear Joseph to, to Rachel. And, and, and then, then uh, uh, here, here's, here's Ruth. Here, here is Ruth. Who, who is, uh, what, you know, we didn't know, hadn't any, any kind of reference, but in, in verse 1, I mean, first verse that we read, said, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife, and, and it says that the Lord enabled her to conceive. Uh, we know that she had a husband before, and before he died, there was no conception, there was no child that, that she gave as, as a grandchild to, to Naomi. But here, uh, the Lord enabled her to conceive. We, we see God's involvement in this. Uh, Mary, we, we know there was involvement there. Uh, and it was even more miraculous in the fact that it was virgin birth. The Holy Spirit came upon her, and she conceived and, and gave birth to Jesus. Jesus had that miraculous birth. Really, the focus I want to have this morning is this idea of being Redeemer. Uh, the, the, the fact that they are each called redeemers. Now, Obed is that guardian redeemer uh, or, or the kinsman redeemer, which we refer to. I mean, Boaz was, in, in this book, uh, Boaz was a redeemer. We, we identified him. As a matter of fact, Naomi identified him and began to plot and say, well, he's a kinsman. We, we need to get you two together, right? And, and he did. He accepted and, and took that position of, of kinsman redeemer but in in chapter 4 uh, verse 14 when the women came they gave praise and what did they say who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer she's referring to Obed not not to Boaz but in this sense they're referring to this infant as being the guardian redeemer that's happened nowhere else that an infant was born into that there's a lot of places where guardian redeemers stepped up or asked to step up but in this case, this is the only time it was an infant that was born as a redeemer. Uh, the, the difference between Boaz and, and uh, Obed, Boaz dad, Obed the son, is this. Boaz, with Boaz, Naomi had hope. This woman in despair, she, she had hope. You know, that there is a possibility now. When Obed was born, guess what? That hope was realized. 
the Redeemer, the one who's going to make all this possible, has been born. And, and, and so that's, that's uh, significant in this. What is a, um, what is a, a Redeemer, a, 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 excuse me, a, a kinsman Redeemer? And, and the way it's defined is, you know, he, he's the one who rescues or restores. Last week we talked about how that's what, that's what Boaz had done. Because of the deaths of Elimelech, uh, Naomi's husband and her sons, there was no one to inherit the property. There was no one to inherit the property. And with no sons and no husband, there was no one to carry on the name. All that was lost. Naomi in despair, right? But because of a kinsman redeemer, he came and rescued both. And we look in, in, in uh, chapter 4 where, where Boaz goes and he, he purchases from Naomi the land. He purchases that land and then, then he marries Ruth. And they have this child. Guess, guess what the child inherits? The land that he purchased. Both the name through Boaz and, and the land is going to be, uh, is, is going to be secured. And so now through the infant, that hope realized he's the one that's going to be able to accomplish all that and, and be a caretaker for Naomi. Now, there are some requirements. Listen carefully. There's some requirements to be a kinsman redeemer. I, I think this is pretty key. Uh, one, one requirement is to be a kin, <laughs> a part of the family. Usually it was, you know, in Scripture it's actually laid out, your brother would step up and take that responsibility and, and bear a, an heir through uh, your sister-in-law. It, it, was, it was that that was to be taken place. It, it was, uh, you had to be a kin, had to be a part of the family. In this case, I, there was no brothers, but it turned to other family members. Uh, you had to be willing. You had to be a willing to, to take that responsibility as a kinsman redeemer. It was not to be forced. Uh, Boaz was willing. Matter of fact, there was someone else who, who actually was first in line. I mean, he, was, he would have been number one. He should have taken the place, but turned it down. For reasons, turned it down. So he couldn't, boy, I can't do that. I can't afford it. I might lose my own inheritance. And so Boaz said, okay, I'll take that responsibility. He was willing. Now, Obed in this case, Obed in this case, he was born for this. He was born as a redeemer. And so he grew up as a redeemer. He didn't know anything else. Uh, Naomi, uh, you know, and, and this is significant. Naomi wasn't just grandma to him. We know what grandmas are. I live with one. Uh, we know what grandmas are, and we know their place and how much they love and, and want to be around children. And then it's that idea says, yeah, they could come until, and then they could go back home kind of thing. I think there was, I think there was a lot more involved with Naomi. Matter of fact, this one said she is more like a foster, foster mom. Uh, something more of a mom because of Obed's place. We, I don't know whether we put this into our head about the significance of Obed because of this kinsman redeemer. He is, he is intimately connected with Naomi. Well, one thing that doesn't do justice in the NIV here is where the women brought him. And, and it says it laid him in, in her arms. That sounds nice, but it was actually laid him on her breast. Laid him, I mean, just caught, you know. And it would be that picture of, Holding the child, 
up that close to her, and it misses that. There is an, a, a, a significant connection between Naomi and, and Obed. Uh, you had to be able to redeem is another requirement. That's another requirement. So, so far we've had, you had to be a kin, you had to be willing. You also had, had to have the ability to do that. You had to, to be able. No, Boaz was able. He was a landowner. Uh, he, he was the one who, who helped, you know, even begin to take care of Ruth and Naomi through their gleaning and providing and making sure she had plenty and, and even fed her and made sure she had water and all kinds of things early on. Uh, definitely was able, and Obed was going to be able to do the same because of his inheritance to follow. Uh, matter of fact, in verse 5, just to remind you what it said, in verse 5 it says, He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. She's set. In some ways, you look at, boy, Naomi in her despair had no retirement plan, nothing no way of support, no one to support, nothing. It was just going to be gleaning the fields just for her own survival. But now she had family uh, that was going to take care of her. The final one is you, that, that you had to pay the full price. The Redeemer had to pay the full price. Boaz paid the full price for the field that belonged to Elimelech, Elimelech and, and uh, paid that to Naomi. That then would again be that inheritance given to Boaz. It would stay in the family for that reason. Now Jesus meets all those requirements. I, I want you to hear this because this, this to me is any time you see Jesus in the Old Testament, he's everywhere. <laughs> and again, this wasn't pointed out, in the, but when you see the similarities, Jesus is a redeemer. Well, what about that the kinsman? In, in Hebrews, Chapter 2, verse 17, uh, the scripture says, He was made like us in every way. He was made like us in every way. In verse 13, it says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. He was made like us in every way. Flesh and blood, he became like us. He's, he's the same kind. He's our family. Um, second, he was willing. He was willing. And now, th in this similarity, he was born for this as well. He was born to be a redeemer. This was his, this was his uh, title. This was his purpose is to come as a redeemer. And also, it was seen through his obedience throughout the scriptures, his obedience to God. He, uh, even in that garden, if you remember, where he, he had that cup, oh, Lord, uh, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. You know, he knew what was coming. He knew the suffering, the great pain. And, and yet, he said, not by my will, but according to your will. He, and he followed through with it. He, he was obedient even to that point in the cross. He was able. This idea of being able. Uh, there is no one else who is able to die on your behalf. Because they, only, they have their own sins. Jesus knew no sin. Do we understand that? When he came and lived his life, he did it in perfection. I mean, in perfection according to God. 
He lived his life. He followed uh, its, its written law, and, and he followed uh, even that law of love that, that was down. And he was, uh, he was perfect. He was perfect when he was being condemned by men and then faced the cross. And he went to the cross, a, a man who was not guilty of any sin and died upon the cross. He is able then to bear your and my sins. He is able to bear our sins. He paid the full price. He paid the full price. Titus chapter 2 verse 14 says, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own. Jesus came as Redeemer. Listen to this again. Matter of fact, uh, if you have your communion, I, all I would do is repeat this. So why repeat this? If we're prepared right now here in, in this part, I, would, I have more to go. I, I set, set that up. Okay? I know because your mind clicks, oh, he's done. We're going to do communion right now because we, we just went through Jesus and our Redeemer. Let me review those things. He, he was made like us in every way. That, that he is willing. He was willing. Uh, his, his heart for, was, was for God. And heart is for God. And his heart is for us as well. And, and uh, he, he is able. He is that perfect lamb that went to the slaughter on our behalf. And he paid that full price. And so let's partake together as we remember Jesus upon that cross. And everything that he has done for us. He is our redeemer. Let's partake of the bread. But also, that blood that flowed, that, that speaks of that brand new covenant that comes through the price that he paid on our behalf. Let's partake of the cup. Take some time just to go before him and give him praise. Father, we praise you for Jesus. We praise you, Lord, that, that through his crucifixion, Lord, we are able to be redeemed. Lord, that we could be cleansed of our sins and be presentable to you as your children. Father, it's not because of our goodness, it's because of his. Help us, Lord, to live a life that resembles uh, that life of Jesus. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. All right. Again, let me finish. <laughs> uh, there, there is another area that, that's similar. It was in, in how uh, the mother was exalted in each case. Uh, when, when the ladies came, and I think this is significant. At chapter 1, the same ladies that, that here, here comes Ruth. And she is just gloomy. Don't call me pleasant. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara because life is bitter and God's hand is against me. 
all they could do is stand there and listen to all her, her plight, her difficult, her tragedies. And the sorrow that began in chapter 1. And in chapter 4, guess who gets to speak? The ladies had to take in all the sorrow. They're rejoicing. They're carrying, uh, they're carrying Obed to Naomi. And they're rejoicing. And they're, they're, they're saying that about, oh, God has provided you a, a kinsman redeemer. And, 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 and then they're the ones who give praise to Ruth. They're, wow, how fortunate are you to have such a daughter-in-law? Any, any ladies who want to brag about your daughter-in-law? Raise your hand. Do you have a daughter-in-law you would brag about? Okay, very good. One. Okay, no, two. Maybe two. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, some of the worst relationships I, I'm familiar with, there's probably sitcoms that you watch, and there's lots of tension between mother-in-laws and daughter. Why? Daughter has come to take mother, you know, mom's place, kind of thing, maybe. But but here's here's the case. These ladies are are, are man. They're praising Ruth for what? The amazing commitment. That amazing. We've talked about it. It's all throughout this book of Ruth. This commitment had a special word, and it, it meant all kinds of things. It meant loyalty. It didn't mean commitment. It meant love. It, 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 and in that love, it also presented, because God gives us that same kind of love, it gives us his mercy, his patience, and absolutely has given us his grace. That's the commitment. There, this commitment, there was no obligation for Ruth to do this. Nothing uh, except the only foundation she had for doing this was because she loved Naomi. It was amazing. And so the ladies were saying, wow, what a daughter-in-law. How she loved or how she was affectionate for you. And, and also she came along and, uh, and, and said, you know, Ruth is, is better than seven sons. <laughs> Ruth to you has been better than seven sons. And let me tell you what, seven sons to an Israelite is a perfect number. So that was quite the praise that they were laying uh, on, on Ruth. Of course, there was praise given towards Mary or a celebration around Mary as well. And, and here's the words that Elizabeth spoke because of her pregnancy. She said, blessed are you among women. What was the significance of these ladies? What was the significance of these ladies? Each of these ladies, Mary and, and Ruth, and we could even go back to Sarah. What, what was the significance? God chose them <laughs> that's it and who were they oh can we call them ordinary people that i mean we look at the significance of these people god chose them you know chose abraham sarah chose to be his wife sarah was chosen to to give birth to to begin that promise of fulfilling you know i'm going to make you into a great nation and, and here comes uh, Ruth, who, who bears a child on behalf of Naomi, who him, you know, a couple more generations, they're going to take the throne of Israel. Grandson's going to be seated upon the throne of Israel. It's all part of God's story. Again, this small story is part of the content of the great story of God that he's laid out for us. Guess what? We're a part of it. We're a part of it. Ordinary people with an extraordinary God. You know, uh, just, just beyond ordinary. I should, beyond ordinary God. Amazing God who loves us incredibly. 
Um, also wanted to share one last thing. Uh, they're both identified as servants of Jehovah. Now, Obed, Obed's name means servant. Obed's name means servant. And, and as, as the ladies, real unusual situation here, because I don't think anywhere else in the Old Testament that somebody else comes and names the child. Uh, in this case, the ladies then name the infant, call him Obed, servant. And probably with the idea of he is servant to Naomi. He's going to be with that idea of being the kinsman redeemer. Here he is, kinsman redeemer. He's a servant. But overall in this story, and we see even in the last few words of, of what we read today, then came Jesse, then came David. But we see that, that he is also a servant of God, meeting his purposes. He is a servant of Jehovah. And, and in, the, in the New Testament, Jesus absolutely identified as a servant. Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. It goes on to the next verse saying, even to that point of going to the cross. That ultimate service. You know, before God, for our behalf. What an amazing love. Let's go back to this. I want you to think about the people within this story. Again, Naomi, a widow who was in despair. I mean, lost everything. The only thing she had to look forward to was death and life. That, that was Naomi, and God used her. And, and, and then we have Ruth. Ruth, who was this Moabite woman, had no responsibility, no, no place of belonging here in Israel or in Bethlehem. And here she was, probably more of an Israelite or the ideal Israelite than many or majority other Israelites around. She was mired because of that commitment that she made. And that she lived, not just made a commitment, lived a commitment. There's a difference, right? Making a commitment, living a commitment. I thank God for those of you. Bud and Charlotte, I'm looking at you two. How many years married? 58. Yay! Anybody more than that? Anybody more than that? Gary, Christina? No, Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I, I was honoring, I was honoring. But 58 years, and I tell you what, I celebrate where the commitment is kept. And many of you, till death do us part, you kept your commitment. And it was difficult, it was tra tragic in, the, in the, the losing of that spouse. But, but here it is, we don't see that commitment today. Do we see that commitment in the church that kind of commitment that, that Ruth displayed in this book, this ordinary lady who was so committed that, to Naomi that she committed to God. And, and it's just this wonderful commitment. That's, that's the kind of commitment that, that God wants from us. And Obed's a part of that. Boaz is a part of that. All throughout this wonderful story. I don't know. I'm going to challenge you. Uh, anybody beyond ordinary here are we ordinary do, are, are we just ordinary people do we have any elected uh, uh, politicians here 
I don't know whether we would consider them. But anyway, uh, anybody, you know, Oscar winners or I, I don't know. What, what would you say beyond just ordinary people? Ordinary people. And, and what made the difference is this. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Now, it's a different time. It's definitely a different time. The New Testament, there's laid upon us, you know, a, a commission to go tell the world about this gospel, to live the gospel, to live life, and to seek to be honoring to God in those things. How are we doing? <laughs> How are we doing? I hope with all your heart you are pursuing the God who's loved us amazingly by sending us a Redeemer in Jesus. Amen? Amen. Remember that, that the, it is the faithfulness of ordinary people that God does great things. I believe within this congregation, great things are going to happen as long as we're faithful. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you always for Jesus. Lord, as we enter in here, he is the reason that we're brought together. Lord, so much in the scripture that identifies that through Christ, we are brothers and sisters. We are connected with you. Lord, there's such a unity, not just here, but throughout this community of those who are Jesus-loving and uh, disciples, followers of Christ, who are all identified as your children. We praise you, Father, as we're able to join this morning to look through this book of Ruth, uh, to be able to glean from it, to be able to learn from it, encouraged by it. And we pray, Father, that as, as we live our lives, Lord, that we are being faithful, that you are our pursuit and you are our love. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.